You remembered on the Lions twenty four seven podcast. It Normally is. we welcome others at the beginning, but I want to just stick and say happy anniversary to uh, to us. This is our day. Yeah, it is. Yeah, which is uh, probably bad timing on our part because our first ever episode was a preview of the blue white game. That's of course what we're going to do here, just a couple days away from the twenty eighteen blue white game. But this is the day. You know, fair or not, and we'll get into why a little bit later, that everyone's been looking forward to all spring. This is the biggest crumb of Penn State football before you finally get that big meal come September. Yeah, and I'm glad you said fair or not because we just – we overanalyze it. We do so much with this game, and, and it means nothing. I mean it's the it, same thing every year. We see these great things that happen. We see bad things that happen. We overreact about it for a few months, and, and we're back here again next year. Wow, I'm so glad you said that first because I had this long laundry list of reasons why not to do all the things you just said that we do, and I thought I was going to come off as like a curmudgeon. I mean, you will, but... I don't know. I feel like you took that bullet for me. All I right. mean, I don't think many other bullets are in the holster because most people like us. They don't they don't come listening to the podcast with a loaded gun. Well, you brought in the righty. He took the bullet for you. and well, That was your for- anniversary gift to me. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, in terms of blue-white game, I mean, like you said, there's always so much to overanalyze. We're not going to do that here. We won't do it afterwards. I'll probably rewatch it and have some, some sort of analysis. But leading into this game, I asked this question earlier this week and said, what is the ideal blue-white game? And this is all tailgating aside. I think we all know what that looks like. But if Penn State could write a script and have X, Y, and Z happen on Saturday, best-case scenario, what do you think that is in your mind? Dry. Dry game. Okay. Which leads to health. I mean, you, you want your guys to health stay is healthy. Good. Health is good. Um, you know, if they could cut it short, I think the coaches would probably appreciate that. Um, they've done it in the past, and I don't see why they would do it, especially on a nice day. Um, but uh, – and, and I guess going into the actual game, you'd love to see the guys that we talked about in spring show out. I mean, we saw last year Juwan Johnson was the guy that everybody talked about. This year, K.J. Hamler. If he catches a touchdown, you know, the spring is sort of validated. And uh, I guess that's, you know, that's probably breaking it down a little bit too much. But uh, I guess uh, it's there's a whole lot of nothing, but we're so desperate for football. We're so desperate for something that we just latch onto it. And that's the the next thing. The reactions just – just go in with the ex- with low expectations. Go in to, to to know what you're looking at. Don't tell me like last year that T.J. Johnson's going to be a starting corner because he has a pick or two in the blue-white game. He ended up transferring in August. I mean, <laughs> it, it's just such over-analyzing. Uh, my mind is so dead Well, you're this. winding back to negative town. Yeah. I mean, so fast. I mean, the the blue white game is so cool. Like everything about it, like bringing everybody together, the tailgating. You know, if the weather is great, that's fantastic. And you know, you've got football for the first time in a few months, and for the first time, or for the last time in a few months. But no, no, no. And it's, no butts. And it's really cool because it's a big recruiting weekend, and that's my thing. So. Okay. Well done. Well saved at the end. Um, all right. I mean, I have the box score, honestly, from last year here for the exact reason that you just went through. It was like TJ Johnson had a pick. Great. He never played another regular season or any snap for Penn State football after the fact. Mark Allen led in rushing. He played some of the fewest snaps of any running back. Uh, Tommy Stevens was great. He was still fun. But Jonathan Holland leads all receivers with a catch of 62 yards. Juwan Johnson's right behind him with a touchdown. But, of course, before that, he just had six catches and one drop, a ratio you would never suffer throughout the regular season. Um, Aaron Monroe has a pick. Didn't really play a whole lot. So, you're right. Football essence, this this game 
quote-unquote game is purpose as much for tackling as it is tailgating. I think we've driven that in enough. My thing was, if, if they're drawing up an ideal blue-white game, you like you said, you're going to have players who have shown up in spring and have had some buzz created show up in the game. But I think what you also want is just to say, from a po- football perspective, since we're here, the offensive lines are both competitive if not the better lines, whether it's blue versus white or white versus blue. Yeah, absolutely. And and for for a fan base and for anybody that's watched this team in the last couple of years, I mean, you've been longing for the offensive line to get to the next level because that's the next step, you know, obviously for this football team. And for all the good that they've gone through, to do it with the offensive lines that they've had is pretty remarkable. So if they can take that next step, if they can show progress in that next step, if they can fill out a two-deep, which they haven't been able to do in the past, I mean, that's that's a big step forward for them. You know, that's true, but it's still like a little like downer note that you had there. All right. Cool stuff. Uh, you get to see something on the offensive line. It, yeah, I mean, but I'm just saying in general, you get to see Michael Bennett fits Nick, perfectly in there. Breakout guy should be playing well. I was just going to say Isaac Lutz, you know, another Berks County guy. Uncle Rich is probably listening. Uncle uh, Rich talking about him, but those guys, uh, Nick Yuri, Isaac Lutz, um, you know, all these uh, walk-ons and stuff, they're going to get a lot of snaps, and, and I can't wait to see your snap counts uh, after this game. <laughs> <laughs> going to get a lot of snaps, and it's going to be fun to see those guys out there. So Tyler that, Shoop, that's cool. Tyler Shoop. Sullivan Ground, not a walk-on, but. Yeah. Someone who I think has been forgotten in the wide receiver discussion. Yeah. We are meandering all over the place here in the first five minutes. We are. Should we find some structure? Let's do it. Okay. So that's a blue-white game. It's not wholly important. It's more fun than anything else, and that's totally okay. Spring is largely in the books. Yeah, it's, just it's okay. In front we, of everyone we else. don't have to drive it into the ground. That's no. okay. Um, we'll be tailgating. I can okay. tell you that. Yeah. Lions 24-7 tailgate should be on the corner of Park and Porter. Stop by. Say hello. Um, it, it's always a good time. <laughs> Bill's going to be on the grill. He's uh, he's really looking forward to it. My dad is ridiculous. I um, mean, he's probably listening That's to this, awesome. but he he loves his tailgating. Um, I'm looking and, forward to seeing your parents. And he loves handing you a plate of food. He loves handing anyone a plate of food. Uh, it's pretty cool to watch from a distance. Uh, dad, you're you're awesome. You're crazy, but you're awesome. So, um, all right. But yeah, tailgating is great. Okay, so let's go offense and defense and get to your recruiting because. Recruiting is the biggest part of this weekend. I think especially this year with everyone who is visiting either officially or unofficially. Um, but everyone who is now playing in this game, again, quote-unquote, at some point likely either did that or visited somewhere along the line. So offensively, uh, Sean Clifford is where I start with this for me because Tommy Stevens, of course, heard all of spring. Trace McSorley snaps have been limited during practice, as you'd expect for this game. Perhaps he doesn't play at all. Who knows? It's really not a priority for Penn State to put on a show for the fans as much as it's kind of a self-centered exercise of going to the game and they're doing this for us. It's not. It's for them. It's their practice. It's their game. For Sean Clifford, I think he'll continue to have a ton of reps. I think he'd like to have him show out because if you can go into any season feeling great about your top three quarterbacks, I mean, that's the best place you can start no matter what level of football you're on. Yeah, I mean, Clifford and and to an extension, Jake Zembeck and Mike Schuster got a lot of reps this, this spring just based off of Tommy Stevens being in that boot. Um, so it, it'll be fun to see. I mean, obviously, I don't think we're going to see the production that we saw last year. Tommy was on point last year. Um, I think we do see Trace out of necessity. I mean, I, obviously, they're not going to put him right. in any situation. They're not going to run him or anything like that. But, you know, it'd be nice to see him throw the ball a few times. But uh, Clifford, Zembeck, um, yeah, I think that's that, that's where the, the focus starts. And I'm excited to see Clifford. I mean, he redshirted last year. Uh, you know, heard great things about him. Got a chance to get healthy. Um, what did he do? Punch a wall or something like that to not get healthy. But he punched a bench. Yeah, punched a bench. Uh, I guess he'll learn. But uh, no, I'm excited to see him. Um, See what Jake has. Uh, You know, this is a guy that's sort of been passed up 
Clifford came in, won the number three job last year. And, um, you know, for, for when you're looking at quarterbacks, that's the place where most guys, if they don't win or if they're not in contention for the job, they end up elsewhere. So we'll see what he has, if he can bounce back. And we've seen him a few times in practice, been good and bad. But, you know, I think it's going to be a mixed bag there. The part of my brain that wants to meander as we were for the first five, six minutes um, just – was struck by the fact you've got three guys at this position who all have those white guy athletic cliches stuck to them, right? Like Tommy Trace and now Sean. Because honestly, beyond he he has an advanced understanding of the offense and, and he's competing well and he's accurate and he's fiery, you always hear like, he's a better athlete than you think. That applies to all three of them, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, okay. they, they all can run. I mean, they, they're not run-run, but they right, can run. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's keep that conversation on a leash and, and reel it back in. Um, after that, Sean Clifford's where I start. And K.J. Hamler was the big buzz of spring ball. We right. wrote that. Everyone pretty much wrote that. Another receiver, though, is probably number two on my list of when Penn State is on offense, blue or white. We don't know who's going to be on what team yet. We could know by the time this is published, uh, but it's going to essentially be ones or twos, ones versus twos, I should say. Matt Hippenhammer has been catching my attention because very quietly he has been lining up with the ones in spring ball. This is because Juwan Johnson has been hurt, obviously, but K.J. Hamler has not been with the ones. So for the big buzz to be about essentially what is now a second-team wide receiver who's made a ton of plays, highly athletic, etc., to be getting more buzz than someone who's on the first team, what has Matt Kippenhammer been doing behind the scenes that just hasn't garnered as much attention? Because honestly, you could throw a couple other guys around you know, to play that exposition where Matt Kippenhammer's been. What does he do now, though, when you're on the first team, presumably, and in front of tens of thousands of fans? I mean, that's a good question because it, it, we've both talked about the, the mixing around and you did the, the, the interview with Ricky Ronnie a couple of weeks ago where he's DeAndre Tompkins is in the slot, but essentially you've got two slot guys playing on the outside. So he was um, not my source for that, by the way. Oh, right. Right. Okay. No, truthfully. I, I, I understand that. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't read your piece, um, but uh, thanks man. That's, that's, God, that's a joke. You're in time you know out. No. Okay. Next two minutes. I'm going to take right. this over. The other part about hip and hammer being, <laughs> being, out there with the ones is the fact that he's not been entirely devoted to football right for this spring he's been playing with the baseball team so he's up there he's been playing well he's a guy who um i think last year was with uh deandre tompkins and yeah because hamilton had been with KJ Hamilton. Yeah. yeah so if you're picking up things from someone who, who works so hard as we know that tompkins does he's got a similar build some good speed you know i wonder what he's going to be able to do because at that exposition you are for the most part on an island by yourself if you're going to stick any receiver out there they've got to be able to win one-on-one matchups and you, you hear all these things about K.J. Hamler, you would presume that he's able to do that. What is Hip and Hammer going to be able to do? That's what I'm looking forward to seeing from him. You know, Beyond that, we already hit upon some of the backup whiteouts. We'll get some time. Good for them. I mean, Isaac Lutz, I know, has made big strides as walk-on. And um, a couple of those guys got garbage time snaps last year. And then you move a little bit more in line from wide out to tight end, which has really, let's just say, been a mess. And it's not... You know, totally fair to leave it at that. So we explain a little bit more. John Holland has not played in the spring. Nick Bowers has been in pads and sidelines. We've never seen him take a snap. Right. Um, Danny Dalton's been there. And, you know, you've got a freshman in Zach Koontz who, like Mike Sicky was once upon a time, advanced in the passing game. And he, for all intents and purposes, is an infant crawling on his knees when it comes to blocking. And that's a function of he's 6'7", looking to still add weight, and didn't really do that at high school. So you can't fault them, but it's just where Penn State is right now at that position. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how they can get through this game with essentially three tight ends. Joe Arcangelo, we saw him in practice as, as a walk-on. Um, yeah, second so team. You think you'd split up Dalton and Arcangelo and, and sort of have Koontz float around, um, not sure what he's ready to ready to do because um, you mentioned his blocking but 
Yeah, I mean, Tyler Bowen, <laughs> welcome to Penn State. I mean, you got you got something on your plate right now. I mean, obviously, it's going to get better. They're going to get some guys healthy. They're going to add Pat Fryer news to the mix in the fall. But, yeah, he just uh, has one more practice to get through. I'm not sure how he's done it all spring. What would success be for you when you're looking at this tight ends group? They do X, like, okay, good blue-white game for you guys. Good blue-white game? Not notice them, I think, is probably the biggest thing. I don't okay. know if we're looking at catches or – you know, John Holland had the big game last year, but obviously that – didn't really turn into anything. So no. just the the less you notice those tight ends, the better for everybody, I think. And you know what, too? We talk about Holland and you go, oh, of course, well, we weren't going to hear from him. Mike Kosicki was ahead of him. Well, even when you had a second tight end in the mix, you heard more from Nick Bowers down the stretch than you did John Holland. Right. So this was not simply a, we didn't hear from him because he got overshadowed. It was partly what he did and, and how or what he didn't do um, during the season. So that's fair. Okay, not being noticed. So, so they might as well go unbalanced. You're saying like an offensive line, that's that's the gauge of an offensive lineman, right? Like what do you want to see out of them? Well, I don't want to see them because presumably they're just doing their jobs. They're staying in front and you don't see their numbers get turned around. Right. So tight end, you want the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they can they go double tight? <laughs> I mean, they've got three guys. They're going to have to be passing a jersey back and forth between some of these guys. So uh, it's, uh, yeah, the, the less we see from the tight ends, I think the better that, that sh- the entire showing will be. The only thing I think I could ask from the tight ends, and this is more from just a selfish aesthetic standpoint, Zach Coons using that six foot seven, maybe six foot eight in cleats frame, go up and get one in the end zone. You know, this is a kid who's enrolled early, just talked about his struggles in the running game, and that's not, you know, us passing on strictly what we see in practice, but exactly what James Franklin said. You know, you put in the work, you've enrolled early, get rewarded with a big catch, maybe a touchdown there in front of the fans. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. Last one for the offense. Non-Miles Sanders running backs. I think this is pretty self-explanatory. Journey Brown's in that mix. You know, Mark Allen has been with the second team and, and shown well. And, you know, the story on him has been, well, he's been behind Saquon Barkley and, and Miles Sanders for so long. Of course, you're not going to see him, but he's actually really good. He's also 5'8". And you know what? There are backs that can thrive and, and make up for that. You have to be extraordinary in other ways. Um, he ran well a year ago. How is he between the tackles? You know, especially if Miles Sanders gets enough carries with the ones. I'm not sure if he is, but if Sanders is with the ones, Allen's with the twos, that means he's running behind a second-team offensive line against their first-team D-line. Yeah, I mean, Allen, I think his thing so far has been pass pro, uh, catching the ball out of the backfield. I'd like to see him a little bit more as a runner, see what he can do with a little bit more space in front of him. We'll go back to that offensive line. I mean, that should help. Um, But, yeah, I mean, can he be a solid number two? And and the guy that I don't think you mentioned probably by design, Johnny Thomas, is probably as intriguing as anyone. I mean, just looking at him, I mean, you you think that there's a player there. I mean, the the guy is massive. He's played some linebacker in his time. He's He's kind of a tank um is he you know is he the guy that can step up and give you some some series reps maybe not just spelling miles sanders for a player or two but can he step in and be a solid guy for the series james franklin seems to think so we're gonna have a lot of time in the next couple of months but i'm thinking now of content ideas we're gonna transition to defense in a second but this is the meandering going on yes um if we had to power rank the bouncer potential of everyone on Penn State's roster, I think Johnny Thomas would be number one. Because not only is he huge, he looks like a linebacker. He's thick, he's he's menacing, he's powerful. But, like, if you want to run away from Steven Gonzalez, who I saw bench 225 pounds about 300 times last summer, you probably could do it. I'm not saying Steven's, like, you know, slower than he, you probably think he is, or as slow. He's probably a little bit faster. But you could probably outrun him. Probably. You're not going to outrun or... You know, out bench or out anything, Jonathan Thompson. Yeah, he's he's a monster, man. Who'd be your number two? Uh, I, I know I'll put you on the spot. You are putting me All on right, the spot. All right, get get back to me after this one. All right. Defense, uh, what to watch for. 
Um, I beat the defensive tackle storyline kind of in the ground this spring, so I'm going to jump down a couple here. You did it really well, though. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, you really can't see it anymore. By the way, update on that. Um, it's basically what I've been writing, which feels good for me for a sense, but you go Kevin Givens, Robert Windsor, Antonio Shelton. I asked for a fourth name, and all I was told was, yeah, it's Fred. Yeah. Okay. So, moving on. It's validating. Um, it's good. It feels good. Right. But, and it's also a numbers game. Of like, right, even if I just wanted to throw a dart or pull a name out of a hat, at some point I'd probably get right. Fred Hansard happened to be it. They're yeah. happy with him, but uh, they need him. <laughs> trying to stay on point again. What is wrong with us? You're awful today. Uh, awful. At least I'm not, like, shouting down everything and just, you know. We'll get there. All right. Recruiting well, is when you, you'll come alive. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, linebacker discipline. For me, this is not about making plays. They don't need a sack. You don't need an interception. It's much along the lines of the tight ends, like you said. I don't really want to notice them because you've just got to make your run fits. You've got to secure tackles. You've got to take good angles and clean it up. It's, you know, as we've heard many times before, before you can make winning plays, you have to avoid the losing ones. Right. Get back to the over analysis part that we talked about earlier. I think linebackers will probably be – people will try and break down the linebackers more than anything. I know a lot of people want to see Micah Parsons right up there, but you know, you're, you're going to have to go through Koa Farmer. And you, you, you did – you talked to Cam Brown this week who said he's been playing pretty much every spot, mostly to Mike. Um, Jan Johnson's there. Um, you know, Jarvis Miller had a good blue-white game last year. So the older guys, you know, we kind of know what they can do. We, we, they still need to make strides, no doubt about it. But we, we kind of know what they can do. Yeah, I really don't care even so much about the starters at this point. Look at Koa and Cam Brown as the projected guys with that first team. Parsons, for sure. Jesse Lukita is another one. Jan Johnson, who we've heard good things about. Um, you know, Jay Cooper was not seen at the last couple of practices. He's had, you know, a history of some uh, health issues um, or avoiding injury, I should say. Right. But, you know, those are the guys. Second and third team, really. How is your discipline? How are your run fits? How are the boring stuff? If you can execute that well, that would give me much more confidence. And, you know, you, you get this easy, clean sack where you go untouched or you make a pick that's kind of gifted to you. Yeah. So if, if you put a, if you put a lineup out there of, say, uh, Ellis Brooks is out there and mm-hmm. uh, with Parsons or Lukita at the will and Dalen Darian's out there, I mean, there's going to be mistakes. It's going to happen. But if you can see them sort of grasp what they're doing, and, and James Franklin said it on Monday night, playing in Beaver Stadium is a different animal. So if you can take in that 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 atmosphere, which does have an impact on these guys the first first couple times they're out there, if you can take that in, handle it, and and still do your job, I think that's probably the best thing you can ask for 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 those young linebackers. Do you have a uh, number two on your bouncer power? I'm not there yet. All right, I'm, I'm thinking buckholes maybe. Depends on if he grows the mustache or not. That would be that would be. Uh, uh, that's, ooh, that's actually a really good pick. Yeah, yeah, he's a big dude, man. I know he lost some weight, but almost twenty pounds. He's a big guy. Yeah, will not be playing any more D-tackle this year, which I think good for him. Yeah. Um, well, if you get Hansard in there, if Ellison Jordan gets healthy, I mean, you can cultivate depth inside. And I know we're off on another tangent here, but, you know, Buckholz and, and Miller, I think your best DNs right now. And DN, for the most part, this spring has sort of just been uh, – I know it's been a it's been a spin cycle because we've you know we haven't seen Shane Simmons we didn't see Etor Gross Matos at the last practice Dan Joseph's been banged up Sharif Miller's been healthy that's good yep. Buck Holtz has been doing mostly individual stuff and I mean it's just you're not even sure who you're going to see on Saturday we've seen a lot of Joe Dumont speaking of awesome mustaches yeah I mean we've seen a lot of Joe Dumont in practice but yeah it's been it's been crazy to think and you know you shore up that defensive end depth and then you play around with what you have a defensive tackle in, in September and October. Yeah, Ryan Buckholz is definitely number two on the power ranking. You like that? Top bouncers. Yeah. Right. I think we pick. did the fighting think, like a wolf or something last year. I think he was Oh, that was a mailbag question of yeah. who were the three guys that you would want. And I know I had Nick Scott, which he had the highest uh, 
was it Spark Q score? Q score, yeah. yeah. Recently, so that felt good too. Also, I think uh, Amani said leading the spring in picks, which is yeah. a good sign if you're following. awesome pick on Monday. Man. Yeah, it was fantastic. It wasn't even a bad ball. I mean, no. it was, he came over top of that cover too and, and made a heck of a play. And you know what, Nick Scott too, I think is probably the third item on this. Who do I want to see in you know defensive tackles is one. We're going to skip that. Linebacker we just discussed is two. Safeties is number three. You know, if he's got a stranglehold on the job, same with Garrett Taylor. What I want to see out of the younger linebackers, I definitely want to see out of those older safeties. Just do your job right. And it was unfortunate for Nick. You know, he's only going to play about one to two series per game last year. But in that Fiesta Bowl, I mean, it's a bad angle. There might have been a penalty in there. It was just two snaps. One of them, you know, just didn't go well. And that's that's too bad because that's your lasting image of, of him back there playing defense. But if, if they, again, can take solid angles, know their assignments, communicate well, and just kind of firm up everything we've heard, I think that's an ideal situation. But you don't know it until you see it. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to be spectacular back there. But you you need to find the guys that are solid first and then see see how they can grow with that. I mean, obviously Lamont Wade's been back there. John Sutherland, um, you know, we, we expected to hear a lot more. I think probably fair to say we expected to, to hear more of him this spring. I think so, yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, you want to find the solid guys first, and then go from there. And I think you know Scott and Taylor will probably be the first two, uh, the first two up on Saturday. And I mean, the good news is we're going to see a lot of those guys. I mean, they're all John Patrician too. He had second team reps on Monday when we were at practice with Jonathan Sutherland, which speaks to they rotate all the guys. Lamont Wade had been playing backup nickel with the first team, um, but I think he's a name not totally be to be forgotten here. Okay, sounds good. All right, D-tackles, why don't you lead us off? Because I've, I've done enough this spring. You sort of covered it. I mean, they're, they're short on bodies there. And I think James Franklin last Wednesday said, hey, we've seen some good things out of Shelton, Hanser, Damian Barber. You know, we, we started to see some good things about those, from those younger guys, but they're not near the consistency level that they need them at yet. So I think that that's probably the biggest thing is they're going to get those D-tackles a lot of reps. I don't think they're going to ask them to do anything crazy. But, um, you know, I think – Number one, they're probably going to make the offensive line look a little bit better, which is a good thing. But, right. uh, but uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be really interesting to see how those guys react. You mentioned Fred Hansard and Shelton, two really strong, stout guys, but you know maybe not as athletic as some of the guys that have come through in the last couple of years. So um, we'll, we'll see what they get to before they get to the summer and, and Culpepper and, and Mustafer get here and see if they can you know vie for playing time, see if Ellison Jordan gets healthy. So there's bodies there, there's potentials there, but they need consistency before they go anywhere. Anything else you want to see to this defense on Saturday? want to see my Donovan Johnson reports validated. Everybody seems to be talking about him. You talked about, uh, you know, it's good to see those things. But Donovan Johnson's been one of the buzzes, uh, you know, one of the the guys causing the most buzz in, in spring ball. Um, you know, little guy, fast guy, but was really made some plays this spring. So I'm excited to see him for the first time. Yeah, and you know what's interesting about him too is he's played, I believe it was outside corner, uh, field corner with the first team, and then with the second team, he's bumped inside to nickel. Yeah. And we see these two-minute drills at the end of practice, which I can't stress enough are small, small snippets. You get issues with sample size and, of course, other factors like injuries and scheme and, and things that they're doing of that nature. But the fact that he's out there with both teams tells you at the very least, without any question here or doubt, they want to get him reps. So he's done enough to say, listen, I've got potential here. Give me more opportunities. And he's earned them. Yeah. And they're taking it easy on John Reed. I don't think we're going to see John Reed on Saturday. No, no. Uh, Amani is going to see very little action on Saturday as well. So you'll see those younger guys, Johnson, Zach McPherson, who's probably your fourth corner right now. Jabari Butler will be out there. Trent Gordon will get a glimpse of. We haven't seen much of him this spring. Um, you know, and DJ Brown as well. So uh, they're going to be tested. Um, I, I don't think 
what we'll see on Saturday closely resembles what we'll see from the corners this fall. But, you know, it's uh, it, it'll be fun to see those guys in action for the first time because there's a lot of young corners, a lot of young, talented corners. Um, you know, we'll see how they hang in a situation like this. And even if it's not for a 2018 outlook again, John Reed and Imani seem plugged in as the starters as they should be. This is a good look at 2019 if John Reed wants to go pro because Monty's not coming back. If John Reed has an excellent season, then you know you, you need two new starters. And I think Tariq Castro Fields is probably plugged in at one spot. But with how often they go nickel, you need two new ones. And it sounds like Donovan Johnson would absolutely be right in that mix. Yeah, and we, and we talked last year about the, the three starters that they had with Campbell, Haley, and Reed. And then Reed got hurt, of course. And I think they have three starters with Castro Fields. And then you turn to the next guy, which right now I think is McPherson. Donovan Johnson's making a play for it yeah um, but they're going to play five guys at that position so maybe maybe even six at times we saw Jordan Smith a couple of years ago I think he started the season as the sixth or seventh corner he ended up playing a, a good bit so um, so it's uh, it, it's an opportunity for these guys to step up and and really just kind of give your lo- give your last uh, lasting impression before August and before the summer workouts right all right. Um, you are about to get a lot happier with this next segment. You've done a lot of research, a lot of talking behind the scenes to find out who's going to be in town, when, and what it all means. So first, um, before you jump into recruiting, do you need any more water? Should I, should I go fill it up for you? I think I'm good. Um, you used to get a beer for me, but uh, no, I think I'm all right. Uh, okay. All right. Ready, set, go. Ready, set, go. Building this list was, was kind of insane because I've been doing this since 2006. It's by far... I guess by far the biggest, uh, best recruiting list that I've come up with. Um, to, the the talent that they're bringing in this weekend is insane. A lot of that has to do with the uh, the new official visit rules. Ten of those guys are coming in this week. Uh, Zach Harrison, Devin Ford, running back from uh, from Virginia. Owen Papo, um, you know, Penn State's not going to get him, but I mean, to to get him on campus, perception rules is pretty cool. Um, and, and there's a ton of familiar guys, which I think will end up making up the nucleus of the class bunch of offensive linemen coming in Caden Wallace will be in for an unofficial Xavier Truss uh Salim Wormley took, taking his uh I believe third visit in five weeks uh since he picked up that offer back in March and Ja'Kai Moore a guy that I put a crystal ball pick in yesterday for um so I mean it's just you, you keep going back to and, and we've seen this at blue white games in the past you've seen it at white out games in the past these big weekends um you know it's not always a place where you get the nucleus of your class. But if these guys keep showing up and many of these guys, it's their second, third, you know, uh, visits for the spring. Ja'Kai Moore has been, will be, will have been here three times by the end of the weekend in the spring. Um, you know, those are the guys that you just keep coming back to and you, you follow the actions and that's where you end up. Um, beyond that, official visits from Marquise Wilson and Tyler Rudolph, two uh, you know two guys that Penn State thinks very very good in Connecticut. The, the, the Callahan effect is obviously you know in play here. Um, Andre White has been on campus a ton. Um, you know his crystal ball has been in since the, uh, December, I think it is. David Ajabo, a guy that they just offered. Jaquan Brisker, a, a kid from Lackawanna who they're insanely high on as being a safety linebacker. Antonio Alfano was just on campus last week, two weeks ago. Um, he'll be back again. So. The list, if you stop the list at the 2019 guys, and there's plenty more. I mean, we have a bunch more on the site. I'm just going off of uh, sort of memory here. But if you just stop the list at the 2019 guys, it would it would be insane, you know? Andre White, you mentioned his crystal ball in since December. How solid is that, you feel like, with how he's exploded and – not in terms of he, he likes Penn State, but just his overall recruitment picture. His, I mean, his recruitment has blown up a little bit more than I 
than I expected because you know you, you come on to the he was Micah Parsons' teammate. You know that's how that's right. how everybody gets to know him. But he goes out to Nike. I mean, the size is legit. I mean, he's six two and a half, six three, two twenty five. He tests extremely well. He goes to USC, gets a USC offer. Not that the Penn State offer wasn't an eye opener, but if you looked at his his offer list before that, it's mostly regional schools and even not not all the regional school. I don't even think Pitt had offered him at that point. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I, I still feel good. I mean, an hour and a half away, he's been here a ton, may want to check out some more schools. And I think that's the thing I keep going back to with some of these guys that we think are not locks, but, you know, fairly consistent in terms of listing Penn State very high, that these guys want to see more schools, use those official visits that are out there in April and uh, April through June, which they weren't in previous classes. It's really changed the entire calendar. But White's one of those guys I just keep going back to and thinking, all right, when, when's this going to happen? So, so is it more solid since December or no? Yeah, I think, I think so. Okay. I mean, I, I, I still feel good about it. I mean, I, right. I put that in like as soon as he was offered just based on what we were hearing. If, if Mike was on board, I think Andre's on board. And of course, Damian Barber's here doing well as well. Right. So, um, you know, Harrisburg is, is kind of a different school in terms of, you know, you take some chances on some kids and, you know, Penn state's been good in that regard with, with Parsons and Barber and, you know, Shaquan Anderson butts that didn't work out. So it's kind of a mixed bag. But Andre White, uh, you know, better student, um, really good athlete. Obviously, Penn State needs linebackers, not not the sense that they're going to take four, but they always need linebackers. And I think that's a guy that they've really zeroed in on as, as being an, a very on point early evaluation with what they're looking for. All right. So before we hit the mailbag, let's ask the question that's been asked of you 10,000 times. Well, here's the thing. I said stop at 2019, but the the, the, the 2020 and 2021 uh, group, which is halfway down my rundown here, that I haven't even gotten to. I mean, we're talking about all these guys so far, but you're bringing in Brian Brzee on Friday. You're bringing in Julian Fleming on Saturday. That's the number one player in the 2020 class and the number two player in the 2020 class. I mean, right. doesn't get much better than that. Uh, beyond that, Trey Williams from Connecticut knows uh, Marquise Wilson, Tyler Rudolph, and all those guys. 2021, Derek Davis from from Pittsburgh goes to Gateway. Uh, potential five-star kid, uh, might be a linebacker, might be a safe he- pretty much play anywhere right now. Um, and then Landon Tengwall, uh, offensive lineman from Maryland, who they've already offered. I mean, if you've got any offer right now and you're a 2021 kid, I mean, you, you deserve to be on the radar pretty right. much. And, but if it's a Penn State offer, if it's an Ohio State offer, which uh, Tengwall just got last week, I mean, th- these kids are, are, are primed to be elite. And I don't want to call them that yet because it's still, what, three years until they sign or whatnot. But, I mean, th- there's a lot of elite potential in that 2020 and 2021 class. I was going to say the next question is who are the 2020, 2021 kids? No, you were, you were going to ask who com, who's going to commit like everybody's <laughs> asking. Come on. All right. Well, let's get to it. Um, you know, I think they'll get a few um, still up in the air in terms of an over-under, which I'll probably put in an S-Zone uh, later this week. But Salim Wormley, uh, three visits in five weeks. I mean, come on. The, let's right. read the tea leaves here. I mean, he, Notre, he wants to visit Notre Dame. He wants to check out some other schools. But – I mean, how are you going to visit a school in three three times in five weeks and and, and not turn around and, and say this not is just getting sick of it? Right? Yeah. Right. Um, but uh, I have crystal balls, and I, I pulled this stat just before the podcast. Uh, Eleven guys that have crystal ball picks for Penn State that will be on campus, and that's just in the 2019 class. And that's not counting uh, Julian Fleming, who I have uh, one in there before or for the 2020 class. So, I mean, I think there's going to be some action. 
where that comes, probably on the offensive line, you got Wormley, you got Ja'Kai Moore, uh, who I just put one in for. Caden Wallace has been um, very high on Penn State. Andre White we talked about. Uh, Marquise Wilson, Tyler Rose. I'm not saying that there's going to be five, six commits, but you know, I think a couple is probably a fairly safe number. Okay. If a couple is a number, which, you know, two, three, whatever. So. That's fair. Sounds like the, the over-under is going to be two and a half. It might be. It might be more. It might be less. Find out Friday in the SF. I can't wait to find out myself. So. <laughs> All right. On to the mailbag where we've carefully selected what were a couple dozen questions. Um, Good questions so, this week, too. A couple dozen. That's and a number, very right? handsome questions, yes. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, what do we got? Okay, top question. Um, of all the visitors you just ran through, who was the biggest surprise among them that, wait, they're they're coming up for Blue White? Yeah, Owen Popo, uh, no doubt. Uh, number seven overall player, number one outside linebacker. I think number one overall linebacker um, by 20, 24-7 sports. Um, he's got some loose connections to Penn State. I think his mom uh, you know, went to Penn State. He's got connections through LeVar Arrington, but I, I still think he ends up down south. He's going to announce next week and – or I guess May 1st it is. Um, and if you've already got your decision date set, you haven't visited this place. I don't, I, I'm not sure what Penn State can show him to flip him off of Georgia-Auburn, which are the two schools that he's kind of focused on. So beyond that, uh, I'm going to go with Cameron Kelly. Um, that's a pleasant surprise. I mean, these, these official visits have sort of changed things where, where you guys you, – you had some guys on the radar early. You know, he visited in September. He's been on campus a few times, but he visited in September and you kind of forgot about him. He's coming back for an official visit and you know if you're if you're bringing a guy in an official visit you've got some sort of puncher's chance and clemson's there uh virginia virginia tech's there a few other schools as well i think he was at oklahoma last weekend so i'll go with cameron kelly as a guy that recruiting as a safety i mean it's uh you know another another situation where every guy you're bringing in i mean you're you're not going to lead for right away you're not going to be in the mix but if you can get him on on campus i I called penn state a dark horse for him last uh last fall and you know maybe that comes to fruition we'll see now you mentioned owen's presence here being obviously a surprise but also so great for public perception. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I understand the larger point. There's no question about that. But I'm thinking of the specifics of who at this point is following his movements and saying, oh, wow, that's a surprise. And then maybe giving them a second shot. Like where, where does that, you know, perception most translate or kind of manifest well, first off, I think the buzz from the fans is the, is the number one thing. I mean, you, you're going to – obviously, you're going to want a good crowd. You're going to want a supportive crowd. And, and anyway, you know, any more of these guys know who they are. These people know who these guys are. I mean, they're they're sort of quasi-celebrities or whatever. So, number one, that buzz is, is big. Number two, with other prospects, I mean, they're, they're kind of watching which schools get these visits because, you know, if, if – this kid's visiting this school. Hey, maybe I should take, check them out. I mean, they're, they're bringing in Papo. They're bringing in his teammate, um, uh, Tompkins, which I'm, I'm spacing on his name right now. His first name, he's not related to DeAndre. He told me this week. Um, Ronald? Ronald Tompkins. That's it. Yes. I was. I wanted to go Ken Brell, but that's not. No, that's way a bit throwback. Yeah, it would be. I feel like we just had a role reversal. I filled you in on a recruit's name, and then you referenced a former, a former Patriot, Patriots right? player. Okay. I think <laughs> I had him on my fantasy team for like two weeks, and I just hated him. So that's that's probably why he's stuck in my in, 2013, in my week seven against the Saints would have been a very good week to have him. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. I don't remember the year 2013. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, just getting these guys on campus, it sort of signals, you know, where the big weekend is or, or where the buzz is. You know, last weekend was Ohio, 
yeah, last weekend was Ohio State. Um, you know, Penn State's up against Notre Dame this weekend and a few other places. But if you can get this kind of list, and and that's not just one or two people, but if you can get this kind of list, it sort of will will, will track Moss to the flame. I mean, before we went on, Trey Williams put up a uh, 2020 kid from from Connecticut. You know, everybody's going to Penn State. I mean, this is a top what 30 top 50 kid everybody's going to be at penn state this weekend you see that it spreads on social it goes crazy and i think that really helps the coaching staff to sort of um, you know put out their brand as a top 10 program top five program okay so it sounds like a lot of uh, areas are touched or covered in very small ways like you've got it directly with the kids directly with the fans and then the ripple effect goes on from there but it's yeah. not necessarily like this really hits home with person x y or z i mean like i said i understood it. i could probably name different people yeah it's probably think- more about the brand than anything i mean yeah. and, okay like these coaches they know they're probably not getting owen popo i mean mm-hmm. george is on fire right now auburn is going to be in the mix with a lot of kids down there as well um but it's just like Hey, you can't tell him no. I mean, the, the number one linebacker in the country wants to come in and, you know, LeVar will be here as well. So you're going to shoot your shot. I yes. Mean, that's, that's what you got to do. Okay. Now, let's say they land three recruits, okay? And these are the three recruits who are the biggest possible game changers. They come on campus 2019, 2020, earlier in their careers, really make a difference. Who are those three current realistic recruits? And I think you're talking about in general, because uh, I think that's how the question was asked. But, I mean, I, I don't think it's any surprise here. Zach Harrison, number one player by 24-7 Sports, taking an official visit this weekend. Brandon Smith, who was on campus a couple of weeks ago. Penn State loves linebackers. Or Penn State fans love linebackers. Um, so, And he's a, you know, he's a pretty good one. I mean, he may grow out of it eventually, but I think he's got the athletic base. He's got the, the instincts and everything to be a pretty darn good linebacker. I think we have him in the top 25 in 24 yep. seven. And then I'll go with Jaquan, Jaquan Brisker. And oh. I had a couple of names written down here. Um, Lewis scene of course is in Texas now, but was in, um, you know, in Massachusetts before I, I go with Brisker and he's a little bit bigger than he's listed on his profile. We'll see how actually how big he is this week, but he's a guy that can step in right away. Um, we talked about the issues at the safety spots. He can also play that Sam linebacker. Um, you know, physically he's um, you know I think he's ready to go. But uh, if you're talking about day one in the class of 2019, I think Brisker is probably the guy to put in there. Um, you know, you look around at, at the target list, and it, it's so hard to follow up Saquon Barkley. So, like, you look at running backs, like Noah Kane is supposed to be in at the end of the month. Right. But I mean, that's cool, but. Saquon Barkley set the bar so high that now the number two running back in the country, you're finding holes in his game sorry. based on walking. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, you know, receiver. You know, they're they're after John Mechie and David Bell, which are really good players. But I don't think your impact guys and, and until 2020. Julian Fleming is the guy that you look to. He's obviously going to be on campus this weekend, so yeah. I think he'd be a game changer. But I'll go with those first three. I'll go with Harrison, Brandon Smith, and, and Jaquan Brisker. Uh, you know. Uh, Honorable mention to those other guys as well. Yeah, so. it's all choices. All right. I good. think we missed one um, about, and, and this is one I wanted to get into about what does the staff do differently this weekend because of oh, officials. Oh yes, yes, yes. I can tell you that they're not crazy about it. I mean, it, th- there's a lot of uh, organization. I can't imagine. There's a lot of things going on right now, and the new rules have kind of muddied things. And every staff is dealing with it. It's not just a Penn State thing, um, but it, it, it's going to be crazy because you're going to have to treat it like a regular game day. Um, Saturday, you're going to you know have you're going to lump those ten guys in with the hundred and 
120 or whatever, 130 kids that they're going to have on campus, uh, you know, for unofficials. So you lump those guys in. You maybe don't get the personal time with them that you would during an official visit. Then you maybe go to dinner with them afterwards, Saturday night, which you're also splitting your your team time. You're splitting your, you know, they usually have a barbecue or whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, Sunday is when they do the actual official stuff. They're going to do meetings and tours and academic things and talk to the parents and sit the kid down. And then they'll leave on Monday. So um, the the schedule is kind of – I don't know. It's exhausting. It's it is exhausting. And the whole time you've got a roster to attend to for this again, quote unquote game, but right. is the culmination of your spring practices where you're laying the foundation for your next season. It's tough, but at the end of the day you can't tell those kids not to come. So exactly. that's you you really as a as a coach you really have no choice. And that's I think that's probably one thing that they might look at to when when they go back and revisit this rule, what kind of impact does this have on on those coaches for this weekend? I'm sure some love it, but I, I wouldn't be crazy about it. If I were organizing this week, if I were Andy Frank or you know Justin King or, or Kenny Sanders or somebody like that organizing this weekend, I I would really really be looking forward to next Tuesday. <laughs> I really would. Yeah, that's what sleep is going to arrive next. I hope or they hope so at least. Yeah, yeah. So. that was like my old uh, tail of the tape sleep pattern plan. Oh. Everyone arrives Saturday or Friday, and we'll sleep on Tuesday. You'll sleep Tuesday. You get the migraine on Wednesday, and yeah, back at it. <laughs> Complain about it on the podcast on <laughs> yeah, Thursday. Perfect. <laughs> All right, last question from the mailbag. Um, trick play prediction for the blue. White game. I I think we got a double pass in the works. Double pass? I don't know why. But a double just, shovel pass. <laughs> yeah, Ricky Ronnie touch, Ricky Ronnie <laughs> special right there. Um, no, I don't know. I you know they, they could do a variety of different things. And I think what you saw last year, which was filed under the category of trick play, Saquon Barkley throwing that pass against Michigan State. Right. That's just a basic concept that they have where they just take a player and put him in a position he's not normally. Like you, you, you're running power read, and then he takes it against Michigan. Right. They just flip flopped. Trace and Saquon. Right. So for him throwing that pass, it was just a pop pass that Trace had thrown, you know, a year ago against Ohio State, actually, at home. Yeah. So some of the stuff might look like a trick play, and it's not. A double pass, however, that is a trick play by any definition uh, that you can find. Who do you got throwing it? Gosh, that's a good question. Um because usually there's a, like a former quarterback that's out there, you know. Right, and again, if they were running two quarterback stuff, which I don't think Tommy's going to play or see the field at all, um, that would be easier, right? I mean, we were waiting for it all last right. regular season from that uh, line position. I'm not sure, but you know what? I, you know, maybe hip and hammer at some point. Like you'd like to get him real reps. That, that would be my thought. But yeah. he, he's a kid who's obviously got an arm in a different sense, playing baseball, playing shortstop. Beyond that, I mean, you might as well just let anyone who asks. If it's kind of third quarter of the blue-white game, people are starting to tune out, maybe a little bit too drunk, and you're like, all right, pop pass, or don't pass. Call it right now. I like it. I bring, like it. bring him back in. Uh, what do you got? Uh, let's see. Brandon Polk's going to be on the outside, so you know, maybe get him the ball as a, as a runner. I mean, not not so much the jet sweep that we became so in love with in the 20, what, 2014 season? 2015. 2015. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. Work some things with Brandon Polk. I, I'm curious to see him on the outside right now. Um, he's a natural slot guy, but he's made some tough catches in his career. So, you know, send him out to double reverse or something like that and see if we can get his, uh, see if we can see his speed in, in, in the open field. Mine's not nearly as exciting as yours. Not really a trick play. <laughs> all right, fine. Flea flicker. What the hell? Oh, all right. Yeah. yeah. Sure. We'll go with that. It's going to be a little hard out of shotgun. But they, they <laughs> they've done it. it before. They can still do it. They've done it before. We'll do it again. All right. Um, well, that just about does it. Anything else we haven't touched upon you're looking forward to this weekend? Just in general, I mean, do you have any special beers you're going to bring or share or 
share? Oh, no. <laughs> no. Of course not. No. Um, no, I'm not sure. I've, I've got some left over from fishing last weekend that I was planning to throw in. But, uh, I didn't know you went fishing. Yeah. Uh, not, I'm not very good at it. and I'm not sure that I fished. Did you but, catch anything? Uh, there, there were fish caught, yes. So not by you. I mean, you got to have a license for that. I just kind of went up. So anyway. Must have been trout though, right? Yes. Opening weekend of trout. Pike County, PA. So good times. Good times. Um, but no, I mean. It's, trout, it, trout County for that weekend. <laughs> you did it. Anyway. Um, no, it'll be, it'll be fun to watch. I mean, for a while. It's it's one of the most, uh, you know, laboring things to, to, to watch that game. And you see, you see it in the second half and the fans get bored and they go back out and tailgate and more power to them. And obviously we're jealous about that. And that's why we're talking like this. But no, it'll, it'll be a fun weekend. If the, if the weather stays dry, they stay healthy. And, you know, like you said, best case scenario. Looking like mid-50s, should be dry, should be the best day of the week, I think, weather-wise. Because um, as of now, we've had a lot of, and I tweeted this yesterday, like Stranger Things snow, wherein you didn't oh, watch Oh, it's ridiculous. Show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you know what I mean now? Because I recommended Stranger Things to you and Erica about yeah. five months ago. Still have not watched it. Okay, very good. I'll get there. Trust me. Yeah. Cut the cord last week. That was fun. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Direct TV now, guy. Well, I guess your kids aren't old enough where you have to break it to them like, hey, you just can't grab this remote and watch whatever you want. No, they love Netflix. That's all they care about. Really? Yeah. This is a very fitting end for this podcast episode. So we, much meandering. We have, yes, this is not Blue White Weekend. This is ADD Day. Perfect. Cool. Perfect. But huge recruiting weekend. I mean, that's the thing I'm looking forward to. I've, I've gotten two texts about four stars that are going to be there this weekend, you know, just as we're recording right now that, that aren't even on our list yet. So yeah. uh, stay tuned for that list. Uh, SO later this week, we'll talk a little bit more about potential commits and, and how Penn State plans to build on from here. Um, iTunes, obviously, rate us on iTunes. More The more five stars, the better. I mean, like, just like this weekend. So um, I guess that's probably about it. Yeah, I mean, I had... I had five texts about five stars. So, oh wow, just you know, what Your we classic one order, classic one over. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the Lions Twenty Four Seven Podcast. And speaking of five stars, though, please find, rate, review, all of that, subscribe. You guys have been outstanding. We, we ask you at the end of every episode. I can't believe you're probably even still listening at this point. If you are, congratulations to you. And um, it's like the fourth quarter of the Blue White game. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> this is very fitting. All right. Perfect. Well, thanks for joining us. And uh, well, I guess we'll see you next week for the, our intense Blue White game uh, over. Recap. Recap. Spring recap. Yeah. And the NFL draft is upon us. Saquon wants to go number one. Do you think he will? I think. I think.